This is ARN. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. I am a very freaky squirrel, the kind you don't take home to mother. Oh, it's good to have you with us. It is Tuesday, the ninth day of January 2024. Hmm. Montana Coffee Traders Trailhouse Trailblazer Blend. Good stuff. All right. Tuesday. Excuse me, I got a cough drop in. I'm still having issues with my throat that started the week before Christmas. So hopefully it's going to go away pretty quick. It's acting like allergies, but it's the middle of winter. I don't know. We're having a weird allergy season or whatnot. Like, let me get rid of this. All right, there we go. Now I can talk. <laughs> oh, gosh. This is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and whatever else I want to talk about. We webcast every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Mountain on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. And the podcast is available for download wherever you find fine podcasts. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. You can head on over to ChristianPodcastCommunity.com, check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You are certain to find something worth listening to, I guarantee it. Folks, I think Elon Musk's um, campaign to rebrand Twitter as X is doomed to failure. The reason I say that is it would be like trying to rename Kleenex at this point. It's just it, the brand is already so established that, I mean, it's Twitter. The the little posts that are put on Twitter are tweets. It is, and 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 as far as I'm concerned, it's always going to be that way. So, yes, I do refer to it as Twitter when I say that we webcast every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. I could say X, Facebook, and Rumble, but I'm not going <laughs> to. So, deal with it. Elon, have your people call my people. We will talk about this. All right. What do we got coming up today? We have scripture readings. We have our prayers from the Book of Common Prayer. A reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ. And it's our study, Bible level Bible study of Deuteronomy 23 today. Um, don't know how far we're going to get. It's a uh, very interesting chapter <laughs> in Deuteronomy. And uh, I don't know if we're going to get through the whole chapter. Um, but what we don't do, we'll probably get through the whole chapter between today and tomorrow easy. Um just some interesting stuff to discuss in this one today. Not quite as hot topic as last Wednesday as we were talking about the importance of sexual purity and the death penalty for rape and all of that sort of stuff. 
um, which is something I would support today. If, if uh, they came out and said, you know, we're going to punish rape by death, I would be all in favor of it and uh, gladly volunteer to throw the switch if nobody else wants to do it. Um, it's just, it, it, we have so downplayed sin. And I mean, we as a society, we as a culture, the Western culture, has so downplayed sin in our minds that now we downplay crime. Um, you're seeing that in this the, the the smash and grabs that are going unprosecuted in you know California and other large Democrat-run cities, um, where they just don't don't enforce the law because right and wrong are arbitrary concepts and we have no right to hold other people accountable for our ideas of right and wrong, which is just absolutely ridiculous. A, right and wrong are, are absolute, even in um, transitory and conditional laws, right and wrong is still absolute. Um, I've used the example of a, a uh, a speed limit. Speed limits are temporal and conditional. A speed limit is only valid in one place and one time. The road in front of my house 150 years ago had no speed limit because horses could only go so fast. And then, for the longest time, the speed limit in Montana was reasonable and prudent. It was a very subjective speed limit. Then, under Jimmy Carter, it was 55 miles an hour, and that went for, what, a decade and a half, maybe? And then the Congress of the United States got rid of that, and Montana went back to reasonable and prudent, determined that was not really workable under modern conditions, and set a numeric speed limit. So, depending at what time in history you were traveling on the road past my house, you had various speed limits. So, the speed limit is, is, is temporal and conditional. But, it was always right to obey the law, and always wrong to disobey the law. Because speed limits are not an unjust law. There is a just law that you are to obey. Now, there are unjust laws, and there you start to get into a gray area about when and how you should obey them. Um, and yes, I think there are times to disobey unjust laws. Um, where it is right to disobey the law. But the right and wrong never change. That's always fixed. So we have gotten to the point where we discount sin so much that we've discounted right and wrong completely. And we see that in sexual morality, which is what we talked about last week in Deuteronomy, that it is considered perfectly acceptable 
in our society for an unmarried couple to engage in sexual activity. And that is still something that is wrong in the sight of God. So that was the hot topic we were talking about last week. This week is is not quite that hot of a topic, but it does have some crossover. So we'll get into that later today. All right. Let us begin, as is our practice, with the prayer of confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done. And we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent, according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life. To the glory of your holy name. Amen. Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve you with a quiet mind. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now our prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our, excuse me, <clears throat> which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Our scripture reading today is Genesis 20 and Psalm 20. So we will begin with Genesis 20. And Abraham journeyed from there toward the land of the Negev and settled between Kadesh and Shur, and he sojourned to Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah his wife, She is my sister. So Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream of the night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is married. Now Abimelech had not come near her. Then he said, Lord, will you kill a nation, even though righteous? Did he not himself say to me, She is my sister? And she herself also said, He is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands I have done this. Then God said to him in the dream, Indeed, I know that in the integrity of your heart you have done this, and I also know that you back from sinning against me. Therefore I did not let you touch her. So now, return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you will live. But if you do not return her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. So Abimelech arose early in the morning and called all his servants, and told all these things in their hearing, and the men were greatly afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us, and how have I sinned against you, that you have brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? You have done to me things that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What have you seen, 
And what have you done? And why? What have you seen that you have done this thing? And Abraham said, Because I said, Surely there is no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife, because she actually is my sister, the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. And it happened when God caused me to wander from my father's house that I said to her, This is the loving kindness which you will show to me. Everywhere we go, say of me, He is my brother. Abimelech then took sheep and oxen and male and female slaves and gave them to Abraham and returned his wife Sarah to him. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before you. Settle wherever it is good in your sight. To Sarah he said, Behold, I have given your brother one thousand pieces of silver. Behold, it is your vindication before all who are with you and before all you are cleared. And Abraham prayed to God. And God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maidservants, and they bore children. For Yahweh had utterly shut the wombs of the household of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. And now, Psalm 20. Excuse me just a moment. All right. Psalm 20. For the choir director, a psalm of David. May Yahweh answer you in the day of distress. May the name of the God of Jacob set you securely on high. May he send you help from the sanctuary and uphold you from Zion. Behold, he may, may he remember all may he remember all your meal offerings and find your burnt offering acceptable. Selah. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your counsel. We will sing for joy over your salvation. In the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May Yahweh fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that Yahweh saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some boast in chariots and some in horses, but we will boast in the name of Yahweh our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stood upright. Save, O Yahweh. May the King answer us in the day we call. This is the word of the Lord. And now, our daily readings from the Life of Christ by John MacArthur. Today's uh, devotion is entitled, Reasons to be Content. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life, as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Matthew 6.25 Dr. MacArthur writes, Worry is the opposite of contentment, which should be a believer's normal and consistent state of mind. You should be able to say with Paul, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. Philippians 4.11-12 A Christian's contentment is found only in God, in his ownership, control, and provision of everything we possess and will ever need. Since God owns everything, what we now have and what we will ever have belongs to him. Daniel understood the Lord's control of everything. Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, 
for wisdom and power belong to him. It is he who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to the wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. Daniel 2, 20 and 21. If we hadn't heard it from Daniel, we should know it from one of the ancient names of God, Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord who provides. Whatever the Lord gives us belongs to him. Therefore, it is our responsibility to thank him for it and to use it wisely and unselfishly for as long as he entrusts us with it. Ask yourself, what keeps enough from being enough for us? How do we define the level of property or possessions we need in order to feel satisfied with our supply? Why are these measurements so often faulty and skewed away from sound biblical understanding? Good word today about being content with what God has provided for you. That is a huge problem, isn't it? Um, said so most people are happy with their couch until they see an advertisement for a new sofa. Their TV is great until they walk through Costco and see that huge wall size OLED TV. Yep, that's that's true of all of us. <laughs> that's just human nature. We are it's the lust of the flesh, the lustful lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. And uh, we're content with what we have until we desire see something we desire more. Um, I think as a you know as a historian, I think about the fact that you know the average American, the poor Americans, live better than kings and queens three four hundred years ago. Yeah, that we have things that they could never imagine. Yeah, not just the computers and televisions and stuff like that. I'm talking indoor plumbing. Forced air, gas, heat, electric lighting, cheap clothing. Um, you know, just we live in really abundant times, and yet we are discontented. All right, I got to take a short break, and then we will get back with our study Bible level Bible study of Deuteronomy. Be right back, folks. Of course, there's bad churches. Um, then go find a good one. And if you have to drive to get to it, then it's worth the drive, I would say. You know? So get in your car and go. I mean, how bad do you want it? I mean, how important is the truth to you? And we are back. Thank you for allowing me to catch a runny nose. <laughs> and we will continue on. All right, Deuteronomy chapter 23. Beginning in verse 1, No one who is emasculated or has his male organ cut off shall enter the assembly of Yahweh. No one of illegitimate birth shall enter the assembly of Yahweh, even to the tenth generation. None of his seed shall enter the assembly of Yahweh. No Ammonite or Moabite shall enter the assembly of Yahweh, even to the tenth generation, None of their seed shall ever enter the assembly of Yahweh. 
because they did not meet you with food and water on the way when you came out of Egypt, and because they hired against you Balaam, the son of Baor, from Pethor of Mesopotamia to curse you. Nevertheless, Yahweh your God will, was not willing to listen to Balaam, but Yahweh your God turned the curse into a blessing for you, because Yahweh your God loves you. You shall never seek their peace or their prosperity all your days. So the assembly of the Lord is is the the um, the people of God, and saying that these these people shall not enter the kingdom of God is, or, or the assembly of the Lord is a very serious matter. Um. So we we have uh, a a sanctification of home and family that we saw in chapter 22. And that's now being spread more broadly, kind of to the rights of citizenship. Who can be an Israelite? Um, who can be included in the gathering in the presence of God? Now, this is probably not banning people from residency in Israel, but it would ban them from becoming fully Israelite. They couldn't hold public office. They couldn't marry into the nation. They couldn't participate in the, the religious rites at the tabernacle or temple. So... There's, there's four groups listed here. The emasculated, <laughs> the illegitimate, the Ammonite, and the Moabite. Now, if you were here with us last week, when we were during our scripture reading, we read from Genesis the account of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And it includes the fact that Lot's daughters got him drunk and slept with him and got pregnant by him. And the son of the one was Moab, and the son of the other was Ammon. So the Ammonites and the Moabites are descended from Lot. But they're not here um, restricted from the assembly because of their illegitimate birth. They're... Um, specifically excluded because they failed to assist Israel during the Exodus. Indeed, they opposed Israel and hired Balaam to curse Israel. So that's the one group. The other group, you know, is, is uh, you know, the emasculated. This is really referring to... Um, Rites of pagan worship, I believe. Um, but a, an unwhole man was not allowed to be a part of the assembly. Um, and it doesn't say if it was, you know, accidental or on purpose. You know, did, did somebody, you know, fall from a donkey and get injured and, you know, have to be emasculated to save their life? Or is this 
a cultic practice. I think it's it's dealing with a cultic practice, but it it's not specified. So, you know, this is a this is a serious matter. I think, you know, this is is perhaps even um, in the pagan worship rites. This might, in fact, be a um, early form of transgenderism. Not that these men would not be considered males, but that they would be used as cultic prostitutes and that they were emasculated for such a purpose. Um, so these are the people that are are restricted from joining the assembly of, of the Lord. Um The, 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 this is going back to the entire principle that Israel was not to intermarry with pagans because um, the, the pagan inclusions into the assembly would end up enticing Israel away from the worship of Yahweh. And history bears that out. Um, the modern equivalent is a Christian should not marry a non-Christian. Um, that's that's key. That really is key. Because for a Christian to be married to a non-Christian creates a level of strife that is not needed. Um, now, of course, sometimes somebody is, is uh, um, you know, a couple get married and then one or the other of them gets saved. And in that case, we've we've seen in the the New Testament the rules that you know if they're willing to stay with you, then you stay with them. It's a um, that's not a grounds for divorce. But if the unbelieving partner abandons you, then you are free to divorce and remarry. And and but the fear is that friendship and familial connections are going to um, lead into idolatry and pagan worship. And that happened. And so certain people were not even allowed to convert to Judaism, to become Israelites. Now, as I said, eunuchs, illegitimate children, and people from Ammon and Moab are excluded. The eunuchs... Um, the, according to the MacArthur Study Bible, that the Hebrew here is that uh, this was a willful mutilation. So perhaps an accidental thing would not be um, a problem. But they were forbidden because this was a violation of God's creation of man. And as I said, it was it was associated with idolatrous practices, and it was done by pagan parents to children so that they might serve as eunuchs in the homes of the great. Um, but interestingly, you know, there is very good reason to believe that Daniel and his friends were made eunuchs in the household of Nebuchadnezzar. So consider that, you know, here was a prophet of God. Um, but of course it was, you know, this was 
something to think about. You know, God is a forgiving God. We also have the fact that, that Ruth was a Moabitess, and she is in the line of um, the Messiah. She married Boaz. Um, so, you know, this is, indeed she was a widow. She was a Moabite widow um, and married into the, married Boaz and became a many times removed great-grandmother of Jesus Christ. That's important right there. So we have, you know, the emasculated, the, the, we looked at the Ammon and Moab were excluded because they didn't help Israel in the Exodus. And this is the illegitimate, MacArthur says, were excluded so as to play, place an indelible stigma as to discourage as a discouragement against shameful sexual misconduct. Um, so that's, that's important. Um, and, and it says, uh, uh, let me see this. Um, MacArthur's final note on this is individuals from all three of these outcast groups are offered grace and acceptance by Isaiah upon personal faith in the true God. Ruth the Moabitess serves as a most notable example. So, you know, repentance and faith in God could still bring somebody to faith, but an emasculated man could not serve you know, in, 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 and obviously would have no offspring. So it's a, it's a purely individual thing, but, you know, faith and forgiveness are possible, but that does not remove the physical mutilation and the limitations that are placed thereon. Now there's a phrase here, you know, to the 10th generation. We see that a couple of times here. And uh, that seems to indicate that that is an idiom for forever, you know, to the 10th generation. It, it's like, you know, Jesus is forgive your brother 70 times seven. There's not a 490 forgiveness limit, you know, you sinned against me. This is the 491st time and I'm going to get you. That is not. Jesus's words. When he says 70 times seven, he says, basically, just don't count. Same thing here to the 10th generation. That's, you know, I mean, how far back is the 10th generation? Think, you know, in your mind, count back 10 generations from you. Now, I know my parents, I know my grandparents, I knew one of my great-grandparents. Um, but honestly, I don't know much about him. Um, never researched him. I'm sure we have family members who could tell me his history. All I remember was every Christmas, we gave him a carton of Chesterfield cigarettes. Because in his retirement home, smoking was one of the few pleasures he had. Um, but he was, you know, high in his nineties, but he was my dad's granddad. And so I, you know, I couldn't name 
10 generations back. And I, I'm, unless you're a genealogy nut and you've got the charts in front of you, you probably can't go back 10 generations either. 10 generations is basically uncountable. So you can see how it's an, it's a idiom for forever. So that's a very interesting thing. Now, it's interesting that the Edomite and the Egyptian could come to faith in the third generation. We're in verses 7 through 8. Let me read those. You shall not abhor an Edomite, for he is your brother. You shall not abhor an Egyptian, for you were a sojourner in his land. The sons of the third generation who are born to them may enter the assembly of Yahweh. So this is a much more, you know, um, you know, the Edomites are the descendant of Jacob's brother Esau, Jacob who is called Israel. So in a real sense, the Edomites are the brothers of the Israelites. And individual Egyptians had shown kindness to the Israelites during the Exodus. Remember, they gave them great wealth when they were departing. Now, some of that was done out of fear, but etc. You know. So, some interesting things to think about about, you know, who is excluded and who is allowed to be included in the assembly of God. Um, that there are, you know, groups of people that God would not even allow. And yet we see exceptions because God is a God of grace. Um, you know, that, that, that a Moabitess widow would be included in the line of the Messiah. Um, going back even further, you had Tamar who pretended to be a prostitute so that she could sleep with her father-in-law and get children by him because you know, the family owed her children. Um, and, and she is included in the line of Christ because, you know, the, the, the Messiah is of the tribe of Judah and he's descended from Judah through Tamar. So you know, we have some interesting, you know, interesting people in the line of Christ if you go back and look at that genealogies at the beginning of Mark and the or Matthew and the beginning of Luke, there's some interesting people in there, and you realize that God is sovereign, and God is gracious, and He watches over us and keeps us. All right, I'm going to stop there. We're going to pick up uh, in verse nine tomorrow, and see if we can't finish the chapter. I'd keep going, but I, I want to rest my throat, so we will pause there. Um, interesting stuff to think about in our passages today. All right. Let us now recite our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. 
I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now the first Sunday of Epiphany. Eternal Father, at the baptism of Jesus, you revealed him to be your Son, and your Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. Grant that we, who are born again by water and the Spirit, may be faithful as your adopted children, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Colic for Peace. O God, the author of peace and lover of concord, to know you as eternal life and to serve you as perfect freedom, defend us, your humble servants, in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in your defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries, through the might of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And for the unrepentant we pray. Merciful God, you desire not the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn to you and live. And through your only Son you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them by your word and Holy Spirit a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved, but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so bring them home and number them among your children, that they may be yours forever. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. All right, folks, that is Squirrel Chatter for this Tuesday the ninth day of January, 2024. I hope you have the best of days as your week continues. Um, remember to do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you again here tomorrow for another episode of Scroll Chatter. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.